Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined once again by Chris and Obi. How are you guys doing? Good, thank I'm you. good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. So, episode 109, we are bringing a bit of structure to the podcast, um, at least for the foreseeable. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, we can have more of an agenda. Uh, so, this week, we will be discussing um, new release on Netflix, Hubie Halloween. And also the season finale uh, of The Boys. Then we will delve into the archive, resurrect that for a discussion on cult anime Akira. Um, But first of all, some film news. Um, Doctor Strange has been included in Spider-Man 3. So obviously when the MCU comes back, We've got WandaVision, which leads into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which then presumably leads into Spider-Man 3. So, what do you make... is Doctor Strange added, or is it Benedict Cumberbatch is added? I've heard Doctor Strange. That that could be Strange, right? If If you're doing it like that, right? If it's a multiverse. Yeah, it's a good point, to be fair. I just sort of took it as one and the same. But um, I guess yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's necessarily been announced that Benedict Cumberbatch is reprising his role. So, yeah, you could be right. So what, so what do you think this means, then? Is, is this leading into a Spider-Verse? I was going to say, like, I think there's, like, a two-pronged uh, thing about this. And, like... I don't. I think I don't know if this was confirmed, but I think it was just someone's theory that basically Doctor Strange is going to be Spider-Man's mentor now that Iron Man's gone. Because mm-hmm. um, I would, ex- I, I suppose there's not really any. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not really, really any like senior statesman in the Avengers now. Now that Iron Man's gone and um, Captain America's dead, I suppose Thor, but Thor's just off during. Guardians of the Galaxy and all that stuff. Or Hulk, but he doesn't Hulk, get his yeah. own. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not really gonna. He's not really very, very reliable, is he? Um, so yeah, I think that's that's one thing of it, which could be interesting because obviously they had a little, uh, little bit of conversation in uh, Infinity War, so maybe they'll build on that. That'll be interesting. Um, be interesting to see because obviously Spider Man adores Iron Man, uh, whereas Iron Man and uh, Doctor Strange didn't really seem to get along very much in Infinity War, so there might be a little, I don't know, maybe a little clash there. And then obviously you've got the other side of it where it's almost certainly confirms that there's going to be, the Spider-Man will be involved in the multiverse. And with the rumours of like Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro and, you know, you hear rumours about maybe Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, something like that, there's definitely going to be a Spider-Verse or at least a multiverse with, I think, at least one or more Spider-Men. Um, which I think would be honestly would be really really cool and like this this is like the adding the multiverse element to this I think is like really really smart from Marvel because obviously we did the whole build up build up build up over 10 years to the big bad then obviously now they've then they got the Fox characters so like now you're thinking like okay so what can we do now can we just build up to another big bad again maybe not let's 
try and do something different. Let's do a little, like a, do a multiverse. So now we can introduce however many characters and then you could branch off into however many different stories, every different, many different arcs, every different films. And then maybe you could eventually build up to another big bad or maybe you could have several big bads from several different universes even. So I think, yeah, yeah. possibilities are Good crazy. Job. Good job. I mean, you could have a, I know this is a, a CW thing, but you could have like a Crisis on Infinite Earths type thing where, you know, there's one big villain who threatens the multiverse and then you get your team ups across the... Yeah, but then what, what, what's, what's, what, what then comes... A, if you do that, I feel like that's your final blow. Because what tops that? That's yeah, true. it's a that's good true. point. I mean, I mean, I'm sure the comics must have had these storylines many times, so they would just take inspiration so from that. They do storylines when they want to reboot the comic, usually, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is a, a quite... You know, the multiverse is a good way of introducing the Fox characters because that way you can sort of get around the where have they been, you know, kind of question. So, you know, if there's a, a, a tangent where the X-Men are a thing, then maybe you don't have to explain their backstory. You don't have to explain where mutants have come from when they've never been a thing really in the MCU up till now. Um, you know, so that's that's a way of kind of getting around that. And also, I guess, because we, I guess, a, a way of getting the Sony um, properties in there, you know, your Venoms and your um, Morbiuses, because, you know, again, there was a hint in the, was it the Morbius or the Venom? Both, really. Venom 2, was it Venom 2 or Morbius, where they had Vulture? Uh, Venom 2? Yeah. Yeah, Venom 2. I don't know if we've had a Venom 2 trailer. Well, no, there was a trailer, wasn't there? Venom 2? Or was there? No, wait, what was thinking of? It was Morbius, because then it was like Sinister Six, wasn't it? Was it? Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll try and quickly Google, if anyone can. Uh, yeah, but I get your point. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, you can. that's a way of bringing it in and, and also keeping them separate afterwards, do you know what I mean? Um, I'll tell I you guess, Yeah, go on, Karen, sorry. I was just going to say quickly, I guess... Like with Tom Holland, they've only really said that he will be in uh, one more kind of a couple, only a few more MCU films unless they renew it again. So I guess again, if they need to reboot his the actor, then you've you've got the opportunity to do that via the multiverse. Um, really stupid to reboot the actor at this point. Yeah, I quite like Tom Holland. Um, what were you I, gonna say, Chris? I, I was going to say, if they do this whole multiverse thing and they finally introduce us to the Fantastic Four, that would be a real good character build for Spider-Man. Got a team around him. In the comics, I think they did the Fantastic Five or something at some point, or he was he was with them for a bit. And he'd have like the intellectual Reed Richards. He was our Sue Storm, who's equally as intelligent. Have Johnny Storm and the thing. I think it would be like a nice little team. It could potentially be a nice little team up. I think they've set it up quite well for Spider-Man in the, in the fact that they've got it so that they could add him to any movie. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he could potentially be the big, you know, the, the main kind of and also, of this franchise. If they do this multiverse thing and bring Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield back, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would ask for Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 4. I'm sure loads of people would ask for that. Well, interestingly, Sam Raimi, who did the original Spider-Man trilogy, is directing Doctor Strange 2. So, mm -hmm. 
depending on i mean we don't know any plot points about that as far as i'm aware but what you could see is maybe right at the end or maybe incorporated into it is toby Maguire. yeah all i would ask yeah all i would ask is that if they're going to do that please 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 keep out the trailers and keep out of the news because the reveal of it would be absolutely amazing so like you know what they'll do though? I don't think I don't think it, they. I'd love it. I'd love it if they got Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in a like a multiverse thing, whatever you want to call it. But like, I think what they'll do is they'll just do like um, flashbacks or like if they're looking into a multiverse portal kind of thing. Oh they'll, yeah. You'll see just like scenes from the other films rather than the yeah. actual actors themselves. I mean, mm. I'd love the actors, but I feel I like that. yeah. I'd still be pretty gassed about that. But, I mean, I guess, you know, they, they've there's rumours about Jamie Foxx. And, obviously, um, Jay, Jay Jonah... What's that? Isn't it confirmed? I, th- I don't know. I, I can't... I don't know. I think... I feel Jamie Foxx has sort of tweeted about it. So, yeah, maybe it is. But I um, thought it was... Oh, I, was like, I thought it was based on, like, an Instagram post or something like that. And then he deleted the Instagram post. That's what I thought. I don't uh, know. Might be wrong. But, you know, and obviously the character of J. Jonah Jameson is, was revealed at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, albeit, a, we think, a different J. Jonah Jameson from the Tobey Maguire franchise, um, because he seems to be running some sort of blog rather than a newspaper. Um, but, you know, so there is, there is kind of precedent for them to bring back other actors, and so maybe Tobey Maguire will featuring a cameo role or something um and um i mean do you know what i think this is a pipe dream but if they're doing a multiverse and they you know introduce fantastic four or whatever how kind of what would you think if they sort of brought back chris evans as johnny storm and um michael b jordan as that'd be so funny because, <laughs> because you know, obviously they're being a, maybe a bit playful with having the other actors from other yeah. franchises. Do you mean? Do you mean have them back as in the new revelation of the new reveal of the Fantastic Four, or have them as like a multiverse Fantastic Four? As a multiverse, I think, I think it's like a little nod to them would be yeah. like, even if it's just like one scene, like you know, with Flash and uh, Ezra Miller and Barry and um, oh yeah, and in the in the TV show. If it was just even if it's like a little scene like that, I think it would be sick. I thought it's quite. I thought it's quite funny. Uh, I thought it'd be. I think it'd be quite funny if like Spider Man made a comment like, "Oh, that looks like uh, Captain America," and then it ends up being Johnny Storm or something. Mm. But well, yeah, even yeah. So in <laughs> it was funny because in um, what's it called in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Brandon Ralph, <clears throat> who plays the Atom on in the DC universe, he used to be he was Superman in one film. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like he he sees, um. Him, him as himself, he sees Supergirl and he says, oh, that looks like my cousin. So, like, there's, like, a little... Cause obviously, Superman, Supergirl, cousins. Yeah. So that, so like, even if it was something like that, I think it would be pretty joke. Yeah, so sick. I mean, I do think, like, X-Men and Fantastic Four, they need to recast them. Um, but, any- but, but nods to the previous ones, I would be really up for. I mean, at this rate, Doctor Strange 2 will be about nine hours long, but I'll be here for it. Um, fuck, fuck recasting the X-Men again. We're going to have to see another fucking 200 people as different X-Men. Uh, I don't know how they'll do I it. I don't mind it. To I, wasn't, sure. I wasn't enamoured with the uh, current crop, shall I say. Um, and, and just on the Electro casting, um, 
the Hollywood Reporter um, reported uh, that uh, Jamie Foxx is returning as Electro, but not necessarily. He won't necessarily be blue, so maybe he'll be a different form of Electro. We don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the MCU is shaping up to be pretty tasty. Um, but I mean, I guess this leads into our other kind of talking point on film news is is you know a lot of films and and tv shows and content is being postponed um so no time to die uh has no time to be released uh, certainly in 2020 um and and you know i think wonder woman 2 um basically your big tentpole blockbusters are just being pushed back i mean some of them by like a year um because i guess it's it's really uncertain when films or when people will be able to come back to the cinemas so kind of on mass um you know tenet i think was brave in releasing when it did but didn't probably make even half what they'd hoped so it seems to put a lot of other studios off so i mean what, what do you guys think about that news do you worry um i think we touched upon it when julie was here but i think we could probably maybe expand you know what are you guys thinking about what this bodes well for cinemas and also maybe the films that will still be released what do you think i think it is disappointing obviously from i was talking to joe about this earlier like from my my small small perspective in the grand scheme of things coronavirus hasn't affected my life too too much only in the fuck pretty much only the cinema because i used to go cinema like however three four however many times a week and now I haven't been, I rarely go now. Um, you've got Cineworld shutting down temporarily. Odeon's now only open from Friday to Sunday. So in terms of like for the actual cinema industry, I think this could be like a massive, massive structural change, I guess. Like you've got people now, I think a lot of people aren't really, obviously you've got your hardcore cinema goers, but a lot of people aren't really like us. I think most people in like to enjoy watching films in the comfort of their own home. And all this, all these delays will kind of lean more into that. You've got films like um, Soul, the Pixar film, that's going to be released on Disney Plus now instead of the cinema. Obviously, oh, Mulan. We're going to have to pay for it. Well, I imagine so, probably. Fuck that. Yeah, obviously, Mulan before it. Now people are leaning into this home streaming, this more streaming service. Um, so I reckon it generally could drastically affect like the cinema industry because the most. Mo- I would say I don't obviously don't know the facts, but the majority of people who go to the cinema, I would say probably are probably casual movie goers. Mm. Like they probably make up the bigger bulk of um, uh, of like pe- the gross amount that pe- that the films make. So obviously, if those people who are like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to watch this at home, whereas I think people like us maybe more go for like the experience of like watching things in the cinema. I think it will probably make a bigger difference than not. Um, in terms of like all these films that are now being released like how many months later how many years later it's just super disappointing because obviously like even again i was saying today we by this time we should have gotten no time to die black widow uh wonder woman i think morbius and whole host of other films and we've just had we've had tenet we've had new mutants which should have come out three years ago and that's (laughs) it (laughs) yeah and bill and ted yeah and bill and ted like it's just been super super disappointing and i imagine these films will get released eventually but i can't help but think that maybe for some of these marvel films 
they might just think, oh, yeah, we're going to put it on Disney Plus with, you know, a $20 premium or whatever it's called. And they think, well, maybe we'll make our money that way. I don't know. I just partly think that they're going to do that. I don't know. I hope, hopefully not. But, yeah. You got anything to add to that, Chris? Um... Well, I thought it was silly that cinema started opening again. Anyway, I knew it was going to be. A, I'm sure I said. I'm sure I said it wasn't going to be a good idea for tenants to come out. But uh, I think they could have done this. I feel like they missed a trick here, like um, cinemas, uh, in the sense that they could have probably done. So, not going to be on the same scale. Be like you know, like the outdoor cinemas that people have been going to. Yeah. Um, that effectively, they could have hired out a massive field, put on a big screen, got people in their cars. And served food at the events like the people like they do. Mm-hmm. A lot more people would have gone to that rather than a sitting cinema experience. I disagree. I disagree. Like if if, if that was me, uh, this obviously this is me personally. I'd rather watch a watch a film at home than in my car. Like what's more comfortable? Yeah, yeah. And even like and even like terms of like, sound, you have to use someone else's earphones, or you have to use like yeah, I'm I don't not know. Visual user though, I'm saying for like you collectively. When you when you're you're because you're saying majority like I'm saying, not in the terms of, I'm I'm saying they they missed the gap in the market. I'm saying that you're you're thinking of perspective of, of of someone on going to the cinema on their own, right? And that's what the casual cinema goer is. But I'm saying that if you wanted to appeal to a market which you, you're worried about your industry like not doing as well, they could have done something like that, and it would have attracted like couples or groups to potentially go as something different than rather than being stuck inside during the covid like outbreak yeah. but it's I just I... it's just something else but i think personally i don't i i think in the short term cinema is going to be affected like cine world but i think in the long term i think people will, will want to go again because although we do like the casual the casuality the, the being being casual at home watching something i think it's actually sometimes quite nice to like go out to the cinema so i think I think Disney have gone about it all wrong, especially with the £30 for Mulan. That's fucking bollocks, mate. Actually, uh, I actually don't get uh, when, like, on Amazon Prime, they're like, you can rent a film for the day. I'm like, well, that's just bollocks. Like, who wants to do that? But some people do it, I know. But yeah. maybe that's just me. But I think, I think, uh, I think in the long term, they'll be, they'll be fine. I just think short term, it's going to be a bit of a hard one. I think a, a few probably will shut down. But, I think... Uh, I think you make a good point that overall cinemas, at least on the surface, don't seem to have adapted. And I mean, I think View are showing some Premier League games, um, but I mean, presumably they would have had to have paid a fuck ton in license to do that. And, you know, like the cinema to me is not conducive to watching sport because you want to watch sport with people being like rowdy and, and, you know, cheering and stuff. And, the cinema isn't really that sort of environment. Um, not for me, anyway. I, I mean, the reason I go to the cinema is as a collective experience. Like, you laugh together, you kind of gasp or kind of shout in horror together. But it's not quite the same for me as being like, oh, come on, you fucking gunners. Ooh. You know, it's not that sort of environment. But, yeah, I think if they adapted, I don't know how, like, Chris, maybe, like you said, you know, good idea with, outdoor cinemas that might have attracted some people um you've actually been to an outdoor cinema haven't you so how did that experience differ from i went to two i went to i would say i went to one that was more um one that was more main uh, how do i put it one 
which had, I'd say, more credibility, no, more... One was done a lot better than the other, I thought. So one, I thought, not, but they were both very good. One was, as soon as we drove up, they'd scanned my number plate, they gave me a speaker for the car, we then drove into a bay, and it was all diagonal, so no cars were in the way, and the screen was big. It was I, I personally thought the screens would be bigger, but they were big, they were huge. But I just thought they'd be bigger for some reason. And then you put the speaker on, it's already attuned to the film, turn it up as much as you want, and then Bob's your uncle, sit down in your car, recline on the chair, and watch the film. And okay. I thought it was, it was a decent experience. And then the other one I went to was a smaller one, um, same kind of things, stagger the cars so they're not in front of each other. Um, and then and then basically for that one, we tuned into the station rather than having a box given to us. Oh, okay. So they're both they're both very good. And then which which films did you watch? I watched uh, Little Mermaid and Fight Club. Oh wow, okay. Um, so so very... I mean, was there was there the same kind of audience experience, or did you sort of quite feel quite isolated just in your car with you know with your well, with? When I think you can, uh, I think I've seen a few people sit outside their car, but yeah, I think the audience experience is lost in that kind of environment unless you've got four of you in the car your audience experience is, is is much lost in that in that environment because you can't hear any other cars really it's like yeah. you've got to be quiet your car your car should be off really <laughs> yeah and i think you're gonna do that you might as well watch it home yeah i mean i think we've discussed before how like you know for the experience as a collective i think when you do that kind of thing I think also, you know, we've said before, when we're, when we're at home, you're distracted by your phone or the fridge or whatever. And for us, certainly us three and, and probably lots of other people, the cinema is sort of, there's like an unwritten rule, isn't there? Well, I mean, there are written rules, you know, don't use your phone and stuff. But it's also, it's the, the environment and the kind of history of it. You're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and purely watch this for two hours. Yeah. And, and I, I can't, no matter how hard I try, I can't recreate it at home. No matter how intrigued I am in the series or the film or whatever, there is always something that's different. You know, I can sometimes see the light from my window on the screen or whatever it is, and it takes you out of that um, environment. So I think cinemas are in trouble. I don't know, you know, are they going to be able to survive, um, uh, you know, as kind of abundant? It's not even that abundant anymore. Um you know, when they do eventually reopen for distributors, what are they going to be like? Are they, you know, say Marvel, they've got, what, for argument's sake, eight films coming out in the next four years, but now that's conduced to uh, constricted. Are they going to release four films a year and saturate their own market, or is this just going to push everything back? Um, well, well, see, I think they, I think, so this is another thing I just wanted to say, actually. Um, so I went on, was it Tuesday? Sometime in the week, I went to a comedy show, right? And I know it's not the same, not the same, right? But, and I think they did it slightly wrong. It's still enjoyable, but in front of every row was a screen. So like, if you laugh or anything, or if you spilt your drink, it can't go on the, the it can't go to the row in front of you. Oh, uh, okay. Which I thought was a clever idea, but at the same time, took away from the experience a small bit um 
But like cinemas could do something on that scale, but like maybe every other row no one can sit in, maybe put a screen there. But it was no, but yeah. I was gonna say they've done it now where <clears throat> when it, if you book a seat then someone can't book in the two seats next either yeah. way of you. Yeah, yeah, I got, I had that as well when I was. Obviously, there's no screens, but you know, I think they were kind of trying to do their own version of that. I guess. I think, like, yeah, I, I, I feel like the only reason cinemas aren't doing as well is because they're not bringing out films that everyone wants to see. Mm. Because I, I tell you now, if a Marvel film was out, that thing would fucking be sold out. It's, 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 the, it's the films that everybody wants to see they don't want to bring out because they're afraid that people won't go and see them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of like it's Catch-22, innit? It well, they, is. Should do, they should do a trial run. They should be like, oh, this film, this film's going to be out exclusively for a week before we release it. Only a limited number of tickets and see how many people go and see it. Mm. And if uh, by that they get loads of people going, then they can be like, oh, okay, well, if we've got 100% attendance to this, then we could probably expect at least 50% attendance to the next one. When we when we properly release it, I think I think they've already had that trial run and it was Tenet. I no, think, but I'm no no I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it like, so like for me, for example, I'm like all right. So Black Widow, I want to release it on the 31st of I want to release it on the 25th of uh, October, but I don't know if many people are going to go and see it. So for a week from the 11th to the 17th, I'm going to do exclusive tickets. If that gets full fill, if that if they fill out the cinema to what capacity we're allowed on that mm. week to, to preview it almost then i can guarantee probably that when i release it in two weeks time at least 50 percent will go and see it is what i'm trying to say not let's troll run it with let's let's put a film out in the cinema and see how well it does i'm saying the exact film okay because i don't think tenet's a film that like it's like inception i don't think everyone went to see inception but I think once people started going to see Inception and saw how good it was, then more people went. I feel like it was pretty highly anticipated, Tenet, though. I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. I, I hear loads of people coming out seeing Tenet saying it's a really good film, but I didn't understand loads of it. I don't I think know. that's what I want to hear. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think whichever one of you said it, that Odeon's only opening Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think that is a really good idea. Because then you're mm. concentrating your whole audience into that one, rather than like, you know, two people going on a Monday, four on a Wednesday, and three on a Friday. Like, if you released Black Widow and it was only you could only see it Friday, Saturday, Sunday for three weeks, then you like Chris sort of what you were saying, you would get a lot of people go and see it. Um, yeah. um, I think it's a bit foolish though, just doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think they need to do. Like I know Friday is a is an in week day, but I think they need to do one more in week day, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or maybe Wednesday with your kind of meerkat movies or whatever. Like that would be a a good one. Um, but then I guess you know you, you've also got the kind of conundrum of if each group has to have two seats either side, then say if 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 we went just us three. And we're different households, so I don't know, maybe they would say we have to have different seats. So you're already taken up what... So one of us would have five seats, essentially, because two either side. So that's already 15 seats for think, the price think, of... Or am I, I think wrong? if we came together, we could book together. So oh, I, think okay. would allow, I think, from what I've seen, from the only I've only been to cinema like three, 
three times or four times during Corona. But people have just been sitting together in their groups. And then from in those, so if there's three of us, it would just be us three sitting next to each other and then two seats either side of us. Oh, okay. I think I think the distributors also need to help out the cinemas by maybe not charging them so much to show films until they can yeah. get back on their feet a bit more because I don't know how all the finances work. But if it's like, I don't know, say a uh, £100 each time they show it, you know, then they've got to sell 15 tickets and, you know, whatever to cover that cost and then the rest is profit. So maybe if they reduce the cost then uh, cinemas will be able to show it more often or, or make some more money for themselves. Um, I, I mean, for you guys, maybe this is, I'm asking the wrong people because we are avid film fans, but if, if say, for argument's sake, January 1st, 2021, everything could open as normal and we've got, what, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and maybe one other that was due to come out in 2021 would you rather they show more films in a calendar year uh, or spread them out? As Give me all they... of them. <laughs> so you would you'd be like, right, at 10am I'm watching Black Widow, at 1pm I'm watching Wonder Woman, 4pm I'm... I'm there. I'm there. 10am, 1pm, 4pm, 7pm I'm there. <laughs> Yeah, but then again, I think, like, as Chris was saying, you know, the more casual viewer who maybe just goes to see the tent poles every few weeks, I don't think they would do that, would they? They wouldn't spend all that money. Um, but then maybe you'd get people buying your Odeon Limitlesses because they would literally just, you know, smash through a whole load of films. That would be true. quite a good one. Um, it's still so, going to reduce the price as well a little bit, maybe. Was that, Chris? Is Odeon Limitless still a thing right now? Well, I don't. Well, the cinema's still open, so as far as I'm aware, it's still going. I'm curious to know if, with them making it free, only free open three days a week, if they're going to maybe cut the prices a little bit. I don't know. But as far as I'm aware, I'm still paying twenty something pound. <laughs> okay, you need, pound you need to cancel that. Yeah. Unless you're going to go and watch Saint Maud about nine times. But uh, and then on that point, I think you know the, the films that are still releasing in cinemas, like your Saint Maud's, which is like a kind of low budget horror film. That's because they don't need as much money to, they don't need yeah. to make as much money to be profitable. So they might do well if, if you know, people still want to go to the cinema. Um, they will be forced, in a sense, to see those sorts of films. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I was just going to sort of diverge for a bit and say, I think the Oscars have said for this year they're going to allow uh, films to be eligible that went straight to home uh, distribution. And also, what was it? to be screened outside. <laughs> oh, right. So they're sort, they're sort of like clutching at straws a bit, aren't they? They're like, um, uh, f- films that you saw on your Xbox are eligible, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, I think as well that like, um, it might be, I'm hoping that they're going to release, so like these oscar films, Sundance Festival, London Film Festival, all those films that don't typically get loads of shine. Um, I'm hoping that those will be released in cinemas more regularly now. Seeming as we're, I suppose we're technically coming up to Oscar season, and also those films typically don't need to make, like you said, they don't need to make loads of budgets. So I'm hoping they put them in cinemas because I feel like a lot of the time there are a lot of Oscar films that they're only in film cinema for like a week and then that's it. So yeah, or you have to travel to fucking them. Wimbledon to see them. Well, yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping maybe now they'll extend their um their showing period. I guess maybe Beckenham will show some. 
more diverse films. That would be nice. I don't see afternoon, but that would be nice. <laughs> um, well, I mean, on the theme of new releases, uh, shall we quickly get Hubie Halloween out of the way? So, uh, we, we all did promise to watch it all. Um, Chris was the only one that actually braved the whole uh, 102 minutes. So, kudos to you, mate. Um, do you want to give us a, a brief plot synopsis? Um, you two disgust me for not watching it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so I sorry. sorry. I watched two minutes and I said nah. I, I did. I did almost gouge my eyes out. So, so horrible. Say to everyone who's seen it on Netflix, don't fucking bother. <laughs> it was a waste of time. Um, Adam Sandler plays a character who has. Chris, Chris, can I interrupt you really quickly? Sorry. Yeah. Glenn, why did you pick this film? I'm sorry. Because you're not even an Adam Sandler fan. Why did you pick this film? Um, it was like number one on Netflix. And so you said you said we need to start watching stuff that's in the top ten. Right. You know, our audience is, <laughs> our, our audience is gonna want to know what we think of the most current and up to date mm. stuff. And you can't get more current and up to date than Hubie Halloween. Um, and also one feature we were gonna introduce was a one sentence review. I think Chris, you've nailed it. Don't fucking bother. Boom. <laughs> Please continue, my friend. Um I don't know what, but Adam Sandler's character has some form of. I don't know if he does actually. There's something up with Adam Sandler's character. I, he he talks with like a a lisp kind of thing, and he doesn't seem to kind of get it when someone's bullying him or anything like that. Um, but basically, a lot of townspeople hate like every townsperson hates him. Besides his mother and this girl who obviously loved him, um, but he doesn't know she loves him, uh, and he basically every Halloween goes round and makes sure everyone's okay, and someone escapes from a mental asylum, totally irrelevant to the point. Someone moves in next door to him. Again, yeah, yeah, loads of famous characters. All picking on Adam Sandler's character. No one wanted anything to do with Adam Sandler's character. He starts investigating, finds out his neighbour's a bit of a werewolf. Um, then the policeman gives him a special job to do, where he goes and looks for evidence and he puts it in a trash can when he's done, and they'll pick it up. And then loads of people just bully him, throw stuff at him, chase him, scare him, and then. They realise there is someone killing or stealing children. Uh, they they blame him. Then they decide it's not him. Then they think it's the girl he he loves. Then they then they tell each other they love each other. And then and then they find the werewolf guy who's not actually a werewolf. He's just a guy who escaped from the mental asylum. Uh, no, it, the guy who escaped from the mental asylum gets the werewolf guy because the werewolf guy was in the mental, mental asylum but he's not actually a werewolf he just thinks he's a werewolf and sticks we- sticks hair to his arms and stuff and okay. then you find out that it's actually his mum who's killing people or stealing people <laughs> people she didn't kill anyone and she's about to burn them all alive and Huey I think is his name stops her and then she disappears and then he asks all the people why they're so mean to him and they're actually mean to him because they admire him in different ways. 
Which oh. And then he skips two years later and he's happy with the woman of his dreams working on the police force and they haven't found his mum because she disappeared at the very end. I mean, I... T- I... It's a one out of ten at max. is the dog shitest film I've ever seen. Did you say one out of ten max? Oh, mate, it's shit. It's fucking shit. I just don't get it. He's got this flask that does everything under the fucking sun. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I don't get why they've made his character like this. And mm. I don't. And it doesn't make sense why all the people are bullying him, like relentlessly. I don't. I just. I feel like in today's culture, that's not okay. The way they did it, like kids. I don't think you've got to that point. Kids are like throwing eggs at him to begin with, and although he catches them, catches them all and dodges everything. They're trying to they're trying to show that even under the worst circumstances, he's still the nicest person. But like, they just, I just feel like they go about it all wrong in this film. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched 20, 25 minutes of this, which was twenty five minutes too long. I mean, this film feels like it's it should have been released about twenty years ago because yeah. it's it's Adam Sandler doing old school Adam Sandler where he plays someone who has some sort of mental illness um, and, and he plays it for laughs. Mental illness. This is why I was a bit hesitant to say it at the beginning. I don't know or if he... Mental illness or maybe some sort of learning difficulty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he, like with li- Little Nicky and things that he did in the past where he tries to get sympathy from the audience and the other characters in the film by playing someone who's slow or learning difficult you know and and like you said it's just not something that really don't do that for laughs now like you know they did it for laughs 20 years ago when you look back at it you're like that was not okay but you know people sort of did it but now now it's it sort of feels like it's way way past its time and 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 you're just like netflix why do you keep fucking throwing money at him he's he's Playing someone who's, yeah, a bit learning difficult. He's got like a ten-year film deal, isn't he, or something like that, or some sort of massive yeah, film deal. Yeah, but surely someone's signing this shit off, right? Someone yeah. at Netflix has been like, "Oh, yeah, this is all right." He, he can be a bit more serious. He's, I think he, I would say he, for me, right, off the top of my head, the film that I like of his is Big Daddy, and yes, in that film he's not, he's not dead serious, but it's a more serious film than some of his others. And I feel like he could go down that route of film and he would do quite well. But instead he does this like almost childish and like it's just mm. maybe it is more for kids. Maybe I'm just maybe I've grown out of the way he does stuff. I don't ever <sighs> like in the stuff he does, but I just feel like it it just it just it was just a waste of my life. And I just don't, <laughs> I don't know why any of these actors signed on to do this film. Probably for the money. I mean, does it, does it, does he watch this back and think, oh, this is actually funny? Because, yeah, he he tries to. Get, I mean, he always sort of plays this character who is misunderstood or you know is is picked on because they're not popular. Like, fine, it works sometimes, but not when he played it like he did here. And none of it was funny. Like they were just trying to force jokes. Like every time his mum would wear a t-shirt that said like, um, oh, I've got a boner or something, and and, and like. Oh, that, throughout the film, he kept saying boner as if it was a good word to say. And I was I mean, just, if, you're aiming, if you're aiming this at kids, then it's not appropriate. Um, and 
yeah, it was just shocking. I mean, there were some, you know, decent cameos, but like you said, why are these people signing on to do this? Um, and it's not believable that, you know, all the, like that woman falls in love with him, and um, and it was just it, like for the twenty minutes I watched, they were there was a few recurring gags that just grated on me after that short amount of time. One was the the t-shirts his mum wore. Uh, two was the like you said the use of boner as meaning a mistake which it isn't and three was that he would just be shit scared of any Halloween um, prop considering he loves Halloween and every year tries to make someone safe every time there was a ghost that would be like ooh he'd, he would just scream over the top and fall over and you're just like sort of like slapstick but it was just horrendous I think I laughed twice and both times were when he would he punched the head off of like a zombie prop, and it was just more like a, oh, <laughs> but I mean, my God, Netflix, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm glad you know, I didn't keep watching. Give me twenty million dollars to make a film. I mean, in the last few years, he's made Hubie Halloween, Murder Mystery, uh, Sandy Wexler, The Do Over, Ridiculous Six all for netflix and then maybe a couple of others I'm just think were any of them good well i'm not i'm not gonna say i've seen any of them apart from 20 minutes of phoebe halloween but come on man save your money spend it somewhere worthwhile so uh so so w- would not recommend then chris no it's a waste of time if it <laughs> if you if no i'll tell you what actually right if you're a big diehard Adam Sandler fan and you really love his films, then then watch it because it is is genuinely that is his comedy. It is it is that comedy of his previous films. So if you like that, go for it. But for me, I like his more serious work, or I would call it more serious. Like the part of Uncut Gems I watched, I enjoyed, but I needed to finish it. And Big Daddy, which I think was more serious with with humour in it. I enjoyed. Uh, well, like there's another film, but I just can't think of what it's called. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's funny that obviously, well, I think we can all admit that as the years have gone on, Adam Sandler's performances have been getting a bit worse, and the films have been getting worse. And then obviously, you come out with Uncut Gems, which is like the what people consider. Some people think he should have been nominated for an Oscar for it. People were saying how good the film was, blah blah blah, and that's like one of the few films that. It wasn't brought out by Netflix, so Netflix has brought out all the shitty ones. <laughs> and then Uncut Gems was like well, 24 no. or something like that. Oh, yeah, Netflix did distribute it, I think. But I don't think yeah. Adam Sandler wasn't involved in the production of it. He was just mm-hmm. acting. So, yeah, maybe he just needs to stick to doing that. I mean, on, me personally, I did not like Uncut Gems. Um, but, you know, he, I'm he, a, did, he did play a more serious role in that. Um, I mean, Chris, you said, you know, if you like Adam Sandler comedy stick with it i mean i'm gonna say if you like adam Sandler, adam Sandler comedy and you're over the age of eight grow the fuck up um but hey ho, that's me um obi you watched what two minutes of this so what was it about the two minutes that you thought nah no more yeah chris said to me like oh yeah he was kind of like the way the way the way chris described the film let me know that like it's not it's not gonna be good so I put it on, literally put it on two hours ago. And obviously the film starts over. Then you've got Ben Stiller just fucking doing the most, like, for the little 10 seconds he's in. 
I'm just like, okay, this is not going to be good. And then you've got uh, Adam Sandler riding around on his bike and he's speaking like, and then like the fucking thing with the with the eggs. Obviously, he catches the eggs. I was like, okay, fine, cool. And then he eats the eggs and he was like, Rocky Brown Brown style. And then he fucking vomited straight back up. As soon as that happened, I was like, nah, this is long. I turned it off. <laughs> I turned it off because it's fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's absolute. And the thing is, like, with me, like, not that that, well, that was probably the main reason. I just hate, like, when people do, like, projectile vomiting. Like, that just, I think it's fucking buzz. And I just, like, as soon as that happened, I knew this was going to be fucking rubbish. So I said, nah, fuck this. Turned it off. Sorry. Wow. The girl, um, um, Black Lightning was in it as well. Um, the youngest daughter, she was in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, would w- would not recommend them. Yeah. Uh, but but props to you for finishing it, Chris. That is dedication. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, should we talk about hopefully a new release that hopefully we enjoyed? Um, I mean, I certainly did. Uh, the boys. So season two has concluded. Um. It was what they released the first two, and then it was weekly, so it's been about seven weeks. Um, presumably, we're all up to date. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this series is sort of. I'm gonna sort of maybe suggest that it's a little bit of a, maybe not even a little bit, uh, an allegory for American politics at this moment 100%. in time. Ten. Oh my! Can we talk about <laughs> so seven, please? The start I mean, of episode seven. I mean, let's let's sort of talk about the series as a whole, um, and then I mean, to me, a lot of the episodes will blur into one because um, my short term. Before you start analysing the episodes. What's that, Chris? Can I make one point before you start analysing the episodes? Yeah, of course. I think this season one and season two, more so season two, they should have made this series longer and spread out stories. I feel like they just crammed in stories. I agree. I feel like they should have made it so much longer. They could have gone into they could have gone into so much more depth about things. But anyway, continue your analysis. Sorry. I mean, I, I want to come back to that. I think I'd be interested to see which points particularly you would like to discover a bit more. Um, I think for me, one would be Lamplighter. Um, I think he was underused. Um, but I mean, yeah. So the end of season one, um, Billy Butcher realizes that. Rebecca is alive and is living in some sort of, you know, uh, home prison um, with home, uh, Homelander's son, Ryan. And uh, this, so the series, he sort of tries to break her out, but she doesn't want to leave her son. Um, and simultaneously, they're trying to bring down Vought. So they uh, release Compound V, which is the kind of, serum that turns normal humans into superheroes um well some of them some explode um and then vort sort of get on top of it because it's like a pr disaster but they're like oh yeah we're owning it we're gonna so they come up with like a supervillain plot so they're like okay well if we create supervillains then there'll be a need for superheroes um and we get introduced to stormfront who is uh this kind of she can fly, she can do electricity. She's a bit like Storm from the X-Men, but um, a white supremacist version. And um, and what, Chris? And she can regenerate. Yeah, and she's also, yeah, because she's fucking old. Um, so there's this all, yeah, it's sort of like corporate America, which is embodied by Vought. Um, and then you've kind of got the 
I guess, you know, the working class, the kind of anti kind of government people, which is embodied by the boys, um, Butcher and Huey and Mother's Milk and Frenchie. Um, yeah, so they're sort of like, they're battling and then they kind of try and get Congress on side. So is her name Victoria? Um, so Congresswoman, they try and sort of get people who have been disenfranchised by Vought, uh, such as Lamplighter, to kind of testify that what they're doing is wrong and, you know, they're kind of terrible company. Um, but then these people die and uh, a lot of their heads explode. Um, and, yeah, I mean, before I guess we come on to the end, that was a quite a brief summary, but more specifics then. What, what do you, what, what were your guys' kind of highs, high points from the series? Chris, do you want to go first? Um, no, you can go first, I've gone. Okay. Um, so, high points for me. <clears throat> In general, I like the introduction of this Stormfront character and what it's done for Homelander um in terms of giving giving us like a because i think homelander being the main villain of every season would have gotten boring to a point so i like mm-hmm. that this season they switched up and kind of homelander is still the villain but he's not the main villain and he's not as anywhere near as bad as the main villain because even like there was one in the last episode when um stormfront's talking about she says like the term like white genocide and even homelander <laughs> jokes at her like what the fuck like, yeah. what are you on about have you seen that? Pretty... Have you seen that meme where um, it's that white guy and he sort of like does the side eye and it's like uh, and and it's like um, Homelander when Stormfront uses the term white genocide and he's like yeah, nah literally. he's like he's like doing that like mo- movement where he's like putting his hands by his neck being like nah cut this. That showed us obviously I think we all knew it anyway but that showed us that literally Homelander's not on that that level that Nazi level like he's never been that way inclined he's a dickhead but he's not like that do you know what i mean which i think was good um so obviously we had someone else that we could hate this season um i want to talk about more about stormfront in a bit but um other things that i like i liked the kind of um what's the word the way it kind of i want to say mirrored maybe i suppose maybe mirrored american politics so like episode the start of episode seven where um uh, it's kind of like basically someone who's being brainwashed by propaganda uh, about super villains or super terrorists, whatever you want to call them. And I think that's kind of like a comparison in America today of how people feel about immigrants and what Donald Trump and, well, yeah, and that Republican administration, some people have fueled, uh, and even maybe like Brexit and stuff like that, um, have kind of like fueled anger towards uh, people uh, like immigrants, illegal immigrants, you know, legal immigrants, whoever, whoever, and how people feel about them and how certain people are brainwashed by propaganda to overreact to those sorts yeah. of people, you know? That, uh, that opening sequence was so powerful. I literally... Because yeah. at first I was like, mm, I don't recognise this character. And then... What the what's more, the, what are you talking about, sorry? Episode 7. So there's that um, sort of stereotypically kind of geeky-looking guy. He's a bit overweight. He's got glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's on his computer. And then he sees kind of... You see the news clips of like oh there's super terrorists going and then it's basically the same kind of sequence maybe three or four times but each time the you, you sort of realize oh he's being more indoctrinated and mm-hmm. like he goes into the um the kind of liquor store or corner shop or whatever you know convenience store and 
and it's there's like a you know an Indian man there and he's friendly and and then the second and he he keeps seeing more memes more posters more propaganda as you say which culminates in him um thinking that this uh the convenience store worker is must be a super terrorist and thinks he sees a discoloring in his eyes which causes him to kill him and he's in you can tell that he thinks he's going to regenerate or come back to life because he's a super terrorist and then he realizes that shit <laughs> I've, I've been trumped and like so yeah and i think that obviously the way you've explained it is like perfect the way they've kind of like mirrored and even like um the congresswoman i don't know what her name is um in the in the series maybe victoria i don't know you said that's what you said i'm not sure so apologies <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna i think that out. kind of that would mirror um the congresswoman i don't know her full name i think it's like alexandria or something cortez in america i think she was supposed to be like that sort of character they call her aoc for short so mm-hmm. she's like a young congresswoman who's kind of like fighting against the establishment in america right now and i think that was kind of their uh their um version of her basically and it's, I'm interested to see how they play her character um, because you don't tend to get left or, you know, like liberal uh, politicians or whoever portrayed in a negative light in the TV, not in the TV shows that I watch anyway. It's normally like right wing, super right wing, conservative, that sort of thing that gets portrayed negatively. And obviously with the reveal of this um, congresswoman, what she can do, um, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with it and how they're going to, if she's going to be, if she... Is she a good guy or is she a bad guy? Because at the minute, she seems like she's a bad guy. So yeah, that that was that took me by surprise actually. Because so at the end, I'm gonna, just going to try and find her name in the scene. I reckon. Do you know? What I reckon they're going to do. She's obviously in her mind, she's a good guy. She's doing something which is progressing her cause. Mm. But I think inevitably she's going to turn out to be a villain because obviously. Okay. But I wanted to. So I wanted to ask. So. The girl we originally see blow up heads. Yeah. Who's that? The one that's in the Vault Industry lab. Yeah. 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 She escapes, right? Yeah, I think they're saving up season three. I was going to say, because we don't see her again. No. So that was, that's, that was that's... one thing which, like you said, I think they, I was like, what, are they not going to bring this back? Yeah, because that's, that's what, I think that's what threw a lot of people off. I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be her, didn't they? I did hear that, but I never thought it was going to be her, only because she wasn't, I'm assuming that she was locked up when that woman got her head blown up in like the first couple of episodes. So to me, that wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense if it was that, her. That episode in the um, Asylum um, reminded me of that episode in season two of Stranger Things, where Eleven finds the other numbers and it just felt a bit mm. out of place and then they just didn't bring it back and i was like i was thinking yeah i, I was by the end of episode eight i was like okay what about all the escaped yeah you're bang on to be fair you're bang on. Yeah. um but yeah so her name is victoria newman the congresswoman um so yeah so by the end she's revealed as the she's like got some sort of power where she can blow people's heads up <laughs> um and she's sort of running for congress again and uh she seems to be um yeah kind of would she be a democrat probably i would assume so i'm assuming yeah. she hasn't actually she said but i would yeah my assumption is that she is left so or left it was quite interesting then that, that they have portrayed her as this person who is 
sort of operating as a dual, you know, a dual person, you know, um, mm. double agent sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got, yeah, Stormfront, is it episode three? She's revealed as a bit of a racist. And then as the season progresses, you're like, yeah, she's fully fledged fucking Nazi white supremacist. Yeah. Um, Can I say quickly, um, I Google, well, I didn't Google this, but it was on a video, it was on a, like a, like an article kind of thing about the last episode. And so, spoiler alert, obviously we've been talking about this in spoilerific detail, but she gets burnt to shit at the end of episode eight, Stormfront that is. And when she's, she's like mumbling in German and apparently mm. she's mumbling um, the, like the, one of Hitler's like Nazi speeches, basically. Um, oh. Which I think was, yeah, which I think was like pretty like, like your proper, your proper nailing this into the character. Like when she doesn't give a fuck now, now she's like pretty much a goner. She's just gone back to her German roots and she's, she, but like there's no one, obviously sometimes you get with these villains, like they'll be pleading for their lives or whatever, but like, nah, this, she's going down, right or die, reciting it? everything that she believes in, in German. Like, I uh, fucking, I thought that was actually quite, quite jokes. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was... it, the, the route they've gone with like whole, the whole Nazi route they've gone, they've, the, I think they've pretty much like hit the nail on the head with it. Like, mm. They've chosen a woman who discreetly is, well, not discreetly, but she's racist to the point where she doesn't like A-Train is what our initial mm. thoughts are. And then you divulge into it and you realise, oh, she's she's really like, she will kill people. Like, she hates any other race but her own. Mm. And almost like, was it episode six, where she, told, she tells Homelander she's a Nazi. And in mm. my mind, I was like, oh shit, like, he's Aryan race to her. She fucking loves yeah. him. And yeah. then, like, and then he's like, why are we, why are we keeping Starlight alive? And she's, a, the identical thing, she's, she's like, Aryan race to her as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. damn, they, they really like... What do you guys think of, um, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, I don't know if you, sorry. Let's go, go. Um, what do you guys think of, so, uh, Stormfront, she said, when they were, like, challenging her, um, about oh yeah you're a fucking Nazi da 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 she was like people like what I have to say they just don't like the word Nazi mm. what do you think what like what did you think about about I that think, I think in some countries there's quite a hefty amount of truth to that I think <laughs> certainly but, in America <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to say it but yeah I think there's I think there's I think the way the way she portrays it is a real extreme extremist I don't know what word it is version of racism that she's portraying i think that a lot of people are on well have we seen in today's society a lot of people are inherently racist aren't they and i think um she's trying to put the point that people are racist i think is what she meant i don't know if she meant it in the terms of like people want other people to die but um i think what she was saying is is you know if you if you just the nazi ideals right whatever they stood for if you just said to someone, oh, you know, we think that, um, you know, we, we were here first and we should, you know, we should be priority. You know, people that come here shouldn't necessarily be as treated the same as we are. Um, and, you know, they shouldn't be able to get the jobs that we get and, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you just said that to someone, you will get people being like, yeah, I agree with that. And if you yeah. say to them, you're a Nazi, 
because you believe that, they're going to go, well, no, 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 don't. So I think what she's saying is that people believe the kind of rhetoric, they believe the, the, the principles of what it is. But when you use that term, Nazi, white supremacist, whatever, that's what puts people off. And I think it's, it's interesting because there will be a lot of people around the world, not just in America, who have views like that. You know, we've got kind of EDL, things like that. But if you use a term that they're not, you know, they wouldn't describe themselves as Nazis or white supremacists, or some would, but, you know, it's... it's they say nationalists. Yeah, I mean, I just want to read something. Um, so I've, someone on Facebook I've got is, uh, they are actually British, but are now an American citizen. And uh, they are Trump supporter. And um, they did a really long post, and it's, uh, the difference between me and a lot of my Democrat friends. You see Trump's arrogance, I see his confidence. You see Trump's nationalism, I see his patriotism. You hear Trump's unsophisticated words, I hear honesty. You see Trump's racism, I see his words being misconstrued and twisted by the media. You see Trump as a Republican, I see him as patriot. You see him as a dictator, I see him as a leader. You see him as an authoritarian, I see him as the only one willing to fight for our freedom. You see him as childish, I see him as a fighter unwilling to cave into lies. You see him as unpolished, I see him as a breath of fresh air. You think he hates immigrants, I know he's married to one. Uh, you see him putting an end to immigration in America. I see him welcoming immigrants to America legally. You see Trump's cages at the border. I see Obama's cages at the border, but with Trump doing something to stop it. You see Trump with a struggling economy. I see Trump with an amazing economy until the Democrats shut it down. Uh, and it goes on. And you just think, to me, I read that and I was like, wow, the power of perspective. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's mad, you know. I mean, yeah, Trump is married to an immigrant. Doesn't mean he's not a fucking racist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like, and it's yeah, and it's the power of perspective, um, and just pure belief. So I think, I mean, I think also, kind of an irony here is that not an irony, but Aya Cash, who played Stormfront, is Jewish herself. So it was obviously there's an extra layer of meaning there that you know, she was playing this kind of. Yeah, this kind of not even a caricature of a Nazi, is it? It's like a legit Nazi yeah. that we can we can identify as, you know, still present in certain parts of the world. Um, I think she did a great job with it, though. Definitely. Like, yeah. quite, she was quite subtle with it as well. Not maybe not subtle, but like it wasn't like an obvious, like overt hatred of. It would just be like a, a sly comment here, a sly look there. And then obviously, you know, bits in the background when certain people aren't around, like mm. there wasn't like a super like, you, it wasn't obvious to the outside world what she was like. And that's how she managed to brainwash so many people into believing what she says. And it showed the power of, of the media and social media when she was doing memes. And that was her way of like, you know, um, basically becoming more well liked than Homelander because Homelander wasn't, you know, up with the kids and she was like yeah i posted a meme i'm you know blah 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 and and that's how she got her support um i think it is interesting because like homelander in this series is shown as a bit of a misogynist and quite homophobic particularly in relation to um uh queen mave's relationship um and i also found it quite funny in like a like a face slapping way like oh in the way that they were like right you're a lesbian let's let's kind of <laughs> really pump this narrative it's and again, it's sort of like how, you know, Western media sort of latch on to something and, and everything's about that, you know, it's, it's you know, commercialising 
someone's life, which you know I found quite interesting as well. But but that yeah, so Homelander is a terrible person. We know that. But there was element like they think they tried to put a bit of sympathy into him this series because he does by the end of it genuinely seem to love his son. Yeah, and, I like. And you can tell that he doesn't agree with a lot of what Stormfront's saying. So you're to me, I was like, hmm, I don't like him, but he's definitely not as bad as this person. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think the perspective you've got to put on that is that he's trying, he's trying not to let his son grow up the way he did. Mm. He yeah, feel like in a way he doesn't like the man he is, because I think that what I've got from it is that I didn't get that. I don't know if I. When, uh, I don't know if I'd say Homelander is not racist, but I would say that in in the perspective of this whole thing, it's not that I think he he liked being loved. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. I think through him to Stormfront is that she he could see that she loved him. Yeah, he put up with it, and the fact that she helped in some aspect get her get his son to love him a little bit more really like shone a light on him. And she helped other people to love him as well with all the memes and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I did think I, it was a bit crazy that he wanked off a building at the end, though. <laughs> the thing is, funny enough, didn't I think we talked about they had that scene in season one, but they cut it out. Yeah. I, think, I, wonder, yeah. I wonder why they decided to put it in this season. I think they could just get away with a bit more. Can't yeah. they now? Once you sort of set a tone, then it's, I think, easier to sort of go beyond that tone whereas if you just straight if you if you if this was season one you'd get loads of people turning off because they're like oh i don't want to watch a superhero show with loads of violent swearing and, and nazis but because you've had all the swearing and the violence beforehand people are like oh do you know what that's my baseline now and so they're like okay we'll throw in a nazi we'll throw in wanking off a building <laughs> it's quite funny um i think oh you're gone karen i was gonna say um they seem to suggest that she's still alive, um, you know, kept in a facility. I was sort of a bit like, oh, can't these people just die? Like, I just I don't really know if I want them to bring her back in some form in a couple of seasons' okay. time. Can I just say... Oh, you're gone. I was, I was just going to say, um, although I do obviously not like the Stormfront character, but, you know what I mean, you know, mm. it's a good character to have in this series. Um, like Chris said, I feel like you could have had three extra episodes in this season, maybe explained a bit more. Like, she was Liberty at one point. Like, what happened? Like, did she have the, the, those same powers when she was Liberty? Why did Vought bring her back out? Because I'm assuming Vought knew who she was all along. Like, you know, I feel like there was still a few more things about her that could have been better better explained. I don't know if you guys agree. Or not. I agree, 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely. I I'm interested in the in the background of Vault a bit more. I think maybe season three will go into that because um, hasn't um, Jensen Eccles been cast as Soldier Boy, who I think they mentioned a couple of times in this series as like yeah. he he was a superhero during the war. So maybe they'll bring back Aya Cash to be Liberty during that period. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I feel like they what? should done as well in this series. I feel like it was a real neglected part. Um, what was that bit? Sorry, I feel like they should have done more with his son. I feel like it was slightly neglected because, mm. being funny, I'm maybe I'm taking a different perspective on this to what others would. But for example, like obviously when Stormfront and Homelander start having sex for the first time, he's lasering her chest, 
and she's recovering quite fast from it. And it looks like he's putting quite a bit of momentum into that laser, right? And then we get the son, who's quite clearly upset at the very end, and he lasers her to shit, right? And I feel like his power is very over the top. I'm assuming it was like an uncontrolled... Maybe, but I, then, but then my point would also be is, <laughs> which maybe again I need to rewatch this, but he 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 like scratched his mother. Yeah, I didn't get that either. That like, was weird. Scratched yeah. his mother. Yeah, he obliterated Stormfront. Yeah. And I was just like, right, okay. Also, I'm not convinced his mum's dead. I think she is. Mm, I, I was a bit disappointed that they killed her off, actually. I, I think they could have her in a facility somewhere. The, the, they could just inject her with veal. Were you going to say something? No, so for what? For the purpose of what? Why would they have her in a facility? I don't know. Like, say... I don't know. Have him, I don't know. Have a rum riot or use her later on for the kids or... Make a double gang, do, double ganger out of her. I don't know. I mean, the kid, the kid, they see see as the future, don't they? So, yeah. yeah. I was a bit, I was a bit like, mm, that. Did they really have to kill her off? But then I guess, I guess her character didn't really have much further to go. Like, is she just going to keep being on the run with Ryan? You know, it's. I was going to say she made it out of that neighborhood very easily. <laughs> yeah, um, they went through to get her in and to try and get her out. She, she got out of this super easy. She's too much proof to me she could have left at any time. Probably, but I think she was scared, wasn't she? But I think I think Ryan. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like he he seems to be a bit op, or like maybe it's because he's uncontrolled. But he also he also presumably is the only or the first um, legit kind of born superhero. That's so maybe he was, maybe he is a lot more powerful than everybody else because it's mm. kind of natural um, for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was going to say there's one point in in the last episode particularly which um, I was like, do you know what? You've fucking done so much better than Endgame in that regard, which was uh, when all the female superheroes were fighting. Oh because... no, fuck, no, no! I disagree. Sorry. Really? Yeah, I disagree a lot. It just felt Only... to me a lot more organic. Like they were all uh, there, and then they all start fighting, and none of the male superheroes were there. I thought, so that, it's... I thought that was very dumb because I was saying this to Anne yesterday. Like, so one Kimiko, we've seen her like literally rip heads off, rip faces off, and then we've seen Starlight use her actual fucking powers. Why then would you resort to just kicking and punching her? Why are you like what? You, use your fucking powers. I don't understand. They were just beating. The, they were just kicking her. And I'm thinking like she's obviously super powerful. What's kicking her gonna do? She's obviously gonna fucking fly away, rip her fucking yeah. face off, use your starlight beams and beam in through her fucking face. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I thought it was fucking ridiculous. I, I think I get both your points. I think I think in terms of being more organic in terms of a fight, seeing that they collectively get together to fight in, I think the boys do it better. But I think you're right in the sense that they why aren't they using their powers? That that is it does seem very stupid. Yeah, hundred percent ridiculous. <laughs> I, I I agree with you with that, Ob. I wasn't saying that the fight scene itself was better. It to me, like the one in Endgame, it was like, oh, you're doing it just for kind of um, uh, for the uh, for the time period, you know, for for like mm-hmm. likes and stuff. Whereas, yeah, it was a lot more organic here. 
Um, yeah. It didn't seem contrived. But yeah, I was literally, I was like, oh, stop kicking her. She's just going to fly away. It's so frustrating. I, I mean, what? How are, how are these three men still fucking alive? <laughs> the thing is, Mother's Milk was in the car when it got rolled over and he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Also, um, what's his name? Jimmy, Timmy, um, no. Uh, Huey, Huey. Huey, yeah. He gets blasted away by Stormfront and he, and then he's like, oh, okay, that hurt. I think Stormfront can like absolutely annihilate someone with one of those. Exactly. He just flung him away like he was nothing. And I've also, uh, after we've talked about this scene, I want to go back to the court scene again, actually. Okay. So do, you have, do you have anything else to say about this scene? Um, not about this scene. I mean, I'm not really sure what Queen Maeve's powers are. She just seems to be a bit strong. I think she's literally just like Wonder Woman. She's just super strong. And I think mm. maybe she might be a bit quick as well. She also got very underserved this season. 100%. She was 100%. a bit like, they were like, oh, what do we do with her? Uh, have a lesbian subplot. Okay. They did that with Black Noir as well. Like, I just thought, and the whole thing, I get it. It's funny. Like, guy as strong as him, his weakness is a peanut allergy. It's funny. Well, I was just literally when it happened, I was so like, oh, fuck off. Like this is so fucking stupid. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know why they bought? Did you know why they did that? Why? Because the guy in real life has a peanut allergy. Oh really? That's true. Yeah, that's not in the comics. Because I believe in the comics, or one of the I don't know if there's more than one timeline in these comics. I don't know, but um, I think it, I read that in one of the comics, Black Noir is a Homelander clone. I remember you telling me this. And, well, I just assume they're not going to do this now, but, <laughs> yeah. And I assume he's still alive as well, because they were talking about the Seven. Yeah, they, yeah, they said he's he's on a ventilator or something. Like, he's not going to be cool with Queen Maeve, is he? <laughs> What's the point? Like, nah. it's the, that's the most fucking stupid thing I've ever seen in my life. But, um, but yeah. I want to go back to the court scene, right? So, um... I, what, how do I put this? Because maybe I'm going to sound really dumb by asking this. I'm just going to sound dumb. Why did this lady kill all the witnesses? Propaganda. You make, you make it look like the, the, you make it look, so she killed the, um, the guy who was testifying to make it look like Vought was killing the guy who was testifying about them to get people to be like, oh, Vought, a conspiracy, da, 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 da. And then obviously you got to kill a few other people to sell it, really. Shit, I know. Well, she's definitely a villain then, isn't she? <laughs> but the thing is, people were saying on the internet, I've seen people saying that, oh, yeah, she must work for Vought. And I was like, how can she be working for Vought? Like, that doesn't really make sense. But I don't know. Yeah, Maybe she, in my brain she killed, killed the person from the church, didn't she? So. Yeah, she doesn't seem to have an allegiance anywhere at the moment, which is quite interesting. That makes her a bit dangerous, doesn't it? In the sense that you don't know why she's doing this, what her agenda is. Um, I did quite like that reveal because it, it took me by surprise. And then obviously with, yeah. you know, Huey is, is probably going to be working with her. So then, you know, that's going to put him into the mix in terms of like, you know, possibly inadvertently betraying one of the boys. Um mm. So I, I'm really looking forward to season three. I thought the first few episodes of this, I was like, mm, don't really see where it's going. I'm not that. But it brought it back. Yeah. Uh, the last episodes are my favourite too of the yeah, season. Agreed. Um, can I just say, uh, with this woman again, does anyone rewatch it and see if her eyes turn white? No. I haven't. But yeah, it's a good point. Maybe it's a subtle thing that, you know, in the court scene, maybe it's obvious when you rewatch it. 
Um, because the only scene I can think of is when she's pretending to be scared and her head's down, and mm. the woman carries her well, takes her away. So I just thought I'd throw that in there as well. Oh, you, said, you said, Chris, there was like a few kind of storylines that you would have liked to have seen expanded. Um, obviously, one of them was, uh, you know, Stormfront and her backstory, but were there any others? Stormfront massively, Stormfront massively could have had like so many different avenues. Like, we could have had more of a Nazi background, we could have had more of that scene several years ago, decades ago that she was involved in. Uh, like, I mean, again, we have no, we have no real identity behind Black Noir. Um, they touched upon of Homelander's like kind of crazy craziness, and I feel like they could have added to that a bit more. Um, the kid, I feel like could have been about him, but they probably did enough about him. Church, don't really know what their place in this whole thing really was. If I'm totally honest with you, who was that last one? Sorry, the church or whatever church. it's called. Is it called the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, they're, they're, to me, they have little to no relevance at the moment. They're a PR team trying to get people back in to the seven, and they can basically, is what I got from that. The thing is, yeah, with the church, they're essentially oh, in the five room. I feel like there was something behind it, obviously, with the eagle guy, how suddenly he turned on the church and they turned on him. I feel like there was something there, but they didn't really give us enough. I don't think. Yeah. To, to me, that was a bit of a contrived plot point to keep the deep and a train in the show. Yeah. Because um, if you took all of that out, you would really not miss anything. True. Um, so yeah, it's sort of a bit like, oh, are you I, keeping the deep around for what? Like he, I, he's. I, I feel like they're going to make the deep like the head of the church going forward or something. Mm. I sort of feel I like. like they need to okay. be a bit more um, ruthless. Like, yeah, maybe people like the actor, but I mean, even by the end of season two, he's still not back in the seven. And from his development, you know, the storyline he had during season two, he was also put to the back, as was Queen Maeve, as was A-Train, as yeah. was Becca. You just think, just get rid of them. If you're not going to think... utilise them properly, just get rid of them and focus on, you know, yeah. characters we actually want to explore more. I agree. I agree, actually, because then you, yeah, you get a lot more, you get a lot more focus on people that we actually care about. Because I don't give a shit about the deep. I'm not gonna lie, but um, I think that I could see his season three kind of like arc. I suppose him kind of like maybe turning into like a supervillain, but a supervillain that nobody takes seriously, and he'll just <laughs> continue to be like the butt of the joke of season three. That's what I think they'll do to keep his character going. I think they can't really do much else apart from that, really. Either that or you kill him off or you don't have him in season three. Because what else can you do? I think you just need to kill him off, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that church sub subplot was a, a tad pointless. Um, what else is there to say about the boys? What, what else do you want to... Is there anything you didn't like about the season, Ivory? It's a, a bit dry. It was dry in what sense? Excited by it. Like till the last two episodes, I really just was like, okay, are we getting to anywhere at this point? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they could have. I think it could have been more obvious from the get-go, kind of where it was going. Um, obviously, I don't want it to be kind of 
you know, oh yeah, this is exactly how it's going to pan out. But at least, it, yeah, it did take a few episodes for us to sort of be like, okay, this is where they're going with it. Um, and like I said, I think they underserved a lot of characters, which made me think, are they even worth keeping around? Um, yeah, the cost is massive. It is. And yeah, I think maybe they've uh, shot themselves in the foot by having a seven, you know, <laughs> if it was like a, a three or four, then you wouldn't need to keep so many of them alive. Um, Who is the seven now, anyway? Uh, Homelander, Queen Maeve, Starlight, A-Train, Black Noir. Um... Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> That's five. Yeah, I know, but... Um, mm. It was before, it would have been Stormfront and Translucent before Translucent died. Yeah, but no, Star, Starlight replaced Translucent, didn't she? Oh, uh, right. Did it she? was The Deep. Oh, yeah, The Deep, yeah. No, because Starlight was in it with The Deep, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and Translucent was there when Starlight was in the team. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Translucent died. died in the first couple of episodes. Yeah, but yeah, he died and they didn't replace... They, I think the same episode was when Stormfront was there because Translucent was hiding in the toilets um, in that first episode. And oh, then Translucent yeah. died. And then Stormfront was supposed to replace Translucent. So I suppose at that point there was seven. But then... The Deep got, eight, got... Deep got kicked out, yeah. And A-Train got kicked out. And then he was replaced by the other speedster. And then that speedster died, which was quite funny. Um... And, and then, yeah, that's gone. gone. So, yeah, we're down to five. I found the... Um, this is what doesn't make sense to me, though. Why couldn't the deep go back? It, oh, oh, wait, actually, no, I know why the deep... They said, um, was it, they said Bond's Redemption 2's weakness. Yeah, true, 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 true. I thought the whole Dawn of the Seven kind of subplot was quite funny in, like, a nod to taking the piss out of yeah, um, I liked that Justice well. League. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I liked uh, that, too. That was good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to season three. Um certainly keeping me going um think, i've also uh, oh sorry no go on i'll say do you think next year they'll do they'll keep doing it weekly or do you think they'll go back to binge uh i think they'll probably keep it weekly i wasn't you know initially i was like oh, i just want to smash through it but i guess it you know i like the weekly I, format to be fair it gives us something to talk about at least once a week <laughs> and uh, exactly and it, it's easier for us to all stay at the same pace you know, because all it takes is for one of us to have a Friday off and we've just smashed the whole thing and, and the, someone else might take three or four weeks to watch it. Um, just slightly related, I have finished The Umbrella Academy now um, and I thought the last episode was pretty good. Um, but mad how uh, Diego is basically Magneto. Honestly, do you know what I mean? It was only the last episode that we found that out. I'd never seen his powers before then. Yeah, I was like, Cobsmack. Could you not have used this before? Was it, he could change the direction of knives or something. That's what I thought. He something was just like, like a that. good knife throw, but now it's actually, yeah, he can use metal, like yeah. you know, manipulate metal. Um, Why is shit character development? No. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of like the whole um, they changed the future, so now it's the Sparrow Academy? What did you think about that? And Bender yeah. Life. Yeah, I quite liked it because, I, I, you know, Ben had a bit more to do in this series, um, but still he was, a, he, you know, there wasn't really anywhere for him to go. Um, so the fact that he's now alive is interesting. Um, 
yeah i mean i guess it's it's one of these things that, that, that they could never get it back to the normal timeline because mm. it's just what not how time travel works i did feel like the um hello hello what, what, what ben's powers the octopus thing um, i feel like um the series not that I, I i thought the first series was all right this one i didn't think was as good um but I think also it just suffered from not having any kind of good supporting characters in the way that Chacha and Hazel were quite enjoyable. The Swedes that they had were just, I mean, they, I think, had two words between them, um, the whole series. And, you know, they just, again, it sort of felt like the creators were like, "Mm, we need to have a Chacha and Hazel equivalent for just the sake of it. And you're like, well, you didn't utilise them at all. Um, so I wasn't overly impressed with that. But, but yeah, the last episode was, was pretty good. The kind of standoff and uh, um, seeing Diego's powers and then obviously going back to the future um, with the Sparrow Academy. So, But then presumably that the... Uh, was Mr Hargreaves, whatever his name is. Um, mm. Reg- is it Reginald, probably? Reginald. Um, surely if... If that is the same timeline as they've just come from, he would have seen, he would have met all of them 40, 50 years ago. He says that. He says that he, see, he says he's seen them again. At the end. Yeah, he says, I've been waiting for you. Maybe he just never believed that they were his kids or something like that. Maybe he just thought they were like. Oh, evil. I thought he said, Who are you or something? Oh, did he? I feel, I feel like he said, uh, I've been waiting for you for however long. Oh. Or something like that. I don't know. I might have to watch it again. Okay. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um, Maybe. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say. Uh, do you guys want to move on to Akira, or is there any um, any little segmenty things you want to do? Um, I'm happy to move on to Akira because I haven't got anything in mind at the minute. Yeah, neither do I. Personally. Okay. I think I've wrote everything that I've watched in the in the chat but i mean so we're recreating from the archive uh bringing it back so this is our segment where we discuss films that are well older shall we say there's no set time limit but um akira is from 1988 uh it is a uh seminal anime film it's a uh dystopian post-apocalyptic cyberpunk uh sci-fi film which is a, a mouthful um but, what is cyberpunk uh good question i will i i looked this up as well um so according to wikipedia it's a subgenre of science fiction in a dystopian futuristic setting that tends to focus on the combination of low life and high tech featuring advanced technological and scientific achievements such as artificial intelligence and cybernetics juxtaposed with a degree of breakdown or radical change in social order so I guess it's sort of like, yeah, like high tech, but a, a loss of civilization in a sense. And uh, yeah, does that make sense? Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is often heralded as like one of the best sci-fi films ever and certainly one of the best animes and, you know, in, so influential in a lot of, you know, modern science fiction. Um, and it's kind of been described as one of the key films that sort of showed 
that anime could be um, accepted uh, mm. by adults, essentially. You know, they, you could have animes aimed at adults. Because um, obviously, the anime is rated 15 in the UK. So, um, you know, it's quite violent. There's you know, some sexual sexuality to it. Um, but, I mean, so what, what... Let me try and describe this film. So mm-hmm. it's about... Uh, initially, you, you see... Uh, Tokyo in 1988 get um, destroyed by a, a, a nuclear bomb and it's set 31 years later in 2019 which <laughs> we've already surpassed so who knows? And it's after World War 3 isn't it you said? Yes yeah so World War 3 has destroyed Tokyo and then there's Neo Tokyo, New Tokyo and um, we were introduced to this biker gang who uh, are up to shenanigans um, and they're like I guess high school biker gang and then essentially, um, simultaneously, there's a weird zombie-looking thing um, who's trying to be smuggled out of the city because there's, like, riots going on. Um, and this culminates in a, an accident where one of the biker gang, um, you know, sort of crashes and, and sort of then absorbs the telekinetic ability of this um, zombie-looking thing. Um, and then it just kind of gets weirder from there. It, uh, <laughs> then it's sort of he, he's kept in a facility, and then his mates are trying to find him and get him out. And then there's a, a another group of underground kind of characters, a girl called Kay, and she meets the character of Shotaro, I think his name is, and. I just got so confused. I was like, what? Why are they going? Why are they doing this? And then it just culminates in him absorbing, like, their stuff. And I don't even know what happened. Akira is, was the, the character that ended that, was the telekinetic character that destroyed Tokyo 30 years ago, I think, was the kind of oh, right. yeah. okay. thrust of it. And oh, these that... telekinetic right. people visited Earth and... Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I thought they were aliens. They're not aliens. I mean, I didn't think that, I thought they were just regular kids. Are they aliens? They, no, they were regular kids that got tested on, right? That's what the last time. Oh, really? That's what I thought. Okay, I, I do you know what? It, I was so confused. <laughs> I, I really struggled to follow it. I didn't even get. I didn't even get the. I, I must have missed it. I didn't even get the fact that, that, that the kids were the ones that made the blood, the, the explosion. I think oh, in right. like the Akira thing makes sense about Akira. I don't know if those kids did it, but Akira being the one who did it, that makes sense, I think, Yeah. what I watched. Um, I think in... watching the last 10 minutes is a big eye-opener to the rest of the story. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think in general, I, I kind of understand why this film has got, like, um, is quite like a cult, cult figure. Because I don't know about you, Chris, but, or even you, Glenn, because you probably did watch it but I did kind of see like elements I don't know which came first but I did kind of see elements of Dragon Ball like Dragon Ball Z kind of thing in this yeah, yeah. Um, like same sort of like I don't know maybe like the way they were fighting the way they were the way they the dialogue before and during whilst they were fighting the way um, I can't remember the guy's name but the way he was like transforming into this like ridiculously Tetsuo. gross yeah this ridiculously gross being even yeah. the element of um, uh, the high school kids being the ones to go and try and save their friend, even that I feel like is a sort of thing that we see in 
or have seen like in the cartoons that we watched growing up. Whether or not they took it from this, I don't know. Or, well, you know, Dragon Ball's from 1984. Oh, fair enough then. Okay. Is Maybe that the not. manga or the TV show though? That's a good point. Um, this this was also based on a manga, so I think I think what is impressive about this is like the animation. You know, it was presumably all hand drawn. Um, you know, there's some nice kind of flourishes in the sense that you know when the motorbikes move, you get like the stream of light that kind of lingers for a bit afterwards, and it is impressive. But I think for me, and and again, like this is quite a broad stroke, but I think anime just isn't really my bag. I just I yeah. find it quite difficult to remain um, concentrated on. I mean, for this, I was just like, what? I mean, very quickly, it was like biker gang, civil unrest to psych, sci-fi experiments and this guy kind of having visions and his teddy bears are moving and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, well, hang, I was like, hang on, have I missed something? It's very, no, because the thing is with this one, it's very old school. So I think the mystery behind it is what allures people into watching more. Well, I think in more modern times, we get more of a description after something. So like when something happens, like someone usually has the answer as to why that that weird things happening. If that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I ages we didn't know what was going on. Like the guy's brain hurting from we don't know what, and all, all he hears is Akira, Akira, and it's like, why is this happening? Mm. What's doing this? And I don't know if they don't even really know if they explain how the kid escaped. I don't know. I don't see. Like, oh, sorry, I'm just completely ignoring just <laughs> the question. At one point, the guy goes like, I think he goes up to space and like rips apart a satellite or something like that. That happened, right? Yeah. And then he comes back down, and then there's like five into the stadium or whatever it is, and then there's like into the Olympic Stadium, and then there's like five like vials or something, and they all say Akira on them. Where the hell did those come from? They oh. come from the vault. So the vault. There was a vault underneath the stadium, which oh, was buried God. from the initial explosion 30 years ago. And yeah, it was Akira who caused that explosion because presumably they were one of the telekinetic kids, I think, is the, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got confused because I was like, because at one point, one of the characters, maybe it's, um, I don't want to say his name with some degree of... Um, correctness shotaro the main character who's tetsuo's mate he like or is it k walks out of the akira um chamber and i was like oh that must be akira and then it wasn't and i was like oh god okay i'm not even gonna try and maybe it's one of maybe i wasn't in the right frame of mind or whatever but this film really confused me and yeah a lot of it went over my head i think yeah there's also i mean i don't know if any of you have seen the anime of ghost in the shell but there's a there are similarities like thematic similarities in terms of like you know futuristic but sort of there are dystopian elements of it and you know like robotics and enhanced kind of things like that so yeah i mean i guess it has it is influential i mean there's talks of um taika waititi doing a live action version i did hear this i have no idea how he would do that and i'm not even sure I'm not even sure if it would be necessary. I mean, certain animes, you know, they're so complex, but mm. it's it's achievable through animation. Whereas if you were to have a similar storyline with um, live action, even if, even if most of it was CGI, I just don't think it would be quite as um, 
impactful. I think there's something about the the format of anime and traditional animation that you're like, mm, okay. I mean, a lot of the animation, and again, this might be quite reductive, reminded me of like early '90s animation. You know, I was like, oh yeah, it's quite rough and ready, and, but still amazing for its time. One question I wanted to ask was like, um, so right at the beginning of the film, well, near the beginning, so the little zombie kid is getting uh, rescued or something by some guy. That guy gets shot to bits and he's like, go and find Ryu. And Ryu was one of two. It was Ryu and then the girl, I can't remember the girl's name, Kay or whoever that was. So like, what were they running from? And then why did he need right like that whole bit confused me because I was like that because I thought okay maybe they're running to maybe these children are being exploited and they're trying to take him away to somewhere else but then well, as soon as the kid meets up with his other fellow zombie kids they're all calm and they're all together and they're all sweet so like there so, was no attempt that, to save any of those three as far as I'm aware it, it didn't make any sense that part it literally to me did not make any sense because if that guy escaped with the kid. And then he wanted that kid to find the other two, and the other two were with that company. Then, what no, was he, he, he said go and find. But it was the it was the there was a man and a woman who were like looking at whilst, and they were like kind of like running. They were I think they were part of the protest maybe, and um, they make it. They two of those two make it all the way to the end with the guy with the other guy's mate. Um, so like I don't know if they were protesters or what they were. I thought maybe they were like political activists or something who were trying to, you know, stop exploitation. Da, 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 da. So that's why they were like, oh, yeah, go and find these two. They'll help you. They'll help you get out of this place or something like that. But then you don't really, they, I don't think they even interact after that. The little munchkin kid and the, and, um, the other two, the other two, whoever they are. Like I don't a know. Fucking granny, didn't she? Yeah. Weird. So I'm going to read from Wikipedia. Maybe this will make a bit more sense. Uh, on July, 16th of July 1988, a singularity destroyed Tokyo. By 2019, Tokyo has been rebuilt, known as Neo-Tokyo, plagued by corruption, anti-government protests, terrorism and gang violence. It's on the verge of collapse. During a massive protest, the hot-headed Shotaro Kaneda leads his vigilante motorcycle gang against the rival gang. Kaneda's best friend Tetsuo inadvertently crashes his motorcycle into Takashi and Espa, who is someone with extrasensory perception, who escapes from a government laboratory with the aid of a resistance organisation. So okay, um, I got that bit. But then the kid makes so like those. The, so I'm assuming those other two people, Ryu and whoever else, were also part of this organization. But then they didn't make any effort to go and rescue the kid. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me too many questions. Yeah. Um, that bit was confusing. That bit, that bit was confusing. I mean, the whole thing was a bit confusing, to be honest. But I thought it was uh, uh, interesting though that um at the Tokyo Olympic Stadium. It says that they actually sort of predict that Tokyo were going to have the 2020 Olympics, and, yeah. uh, and that 149 days before um, they were trying to stop it happening, because um, that's what I think the the writing said. It said uh, close, like stop the Olympics from happening, and obviously this year 2020 the Tokyo Olympics mm. were postponed. Um, so there's there's a weird sort of yeah. If it was The Simpsons, everyone would be like, oh, they got it right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Maybe yeah. that's why they brought it out. Maybe that's why they re-released it in 4K. Maybe. Maybe. Did you uh, watch it in 4K, Obi? 
I did watch it in 4K. Um, to be honest, I, would, I do want to kind of see what it's like on the DVD to see how big a difference it made. Because obviously it, it looked all right on the cinema screen. But I don't know, maybe did, when you guys watched it, did it look like super old? Yeah, it, like I said, it, it looked sort of like the animation you get in the early 90s. You know, your typical like Pokemon sort of style stuff. Um, but I, I don't know how much you can really do to jazz up an animation. I don't know. I don't quite know how all that technology works. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not even sure why it's being re-released at this moment in time either. Yeah, so, it's not an anniversary either, so I don't know. I mean, it, I'm, it's one of those anime films Sundays. Oh, Anime Sundays, yeah, exactly. It's one of those films that, you know, it is well known, so now I've ticked it off my list. Had you ever heard, I'd, I'd never heard of it before before this weekend. To be honest, I'd, I'd oh, really? I heard of it before, but I never, yeah. also, never, never had the interest to go and watch it. If I'm honest, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the sort of like the animes. So, like, oh, if you're into anime, oh, have you seen Akira? And I'm like, nah, I prefer Shakira. Um, so, mm. yeah. oh, by the way, Dragon Ball was out first, 1986, I think. Oh, fair enough. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you two are more into anime than I am, so uh, maybe in a few more Sundays you'll find another anime that you can watch and discuss. Yeah, hopefully. Um, any other business? Is there anything else you guys want to bring up, mention, review quickly? Um, no, nothing for me, I don't think. Um, nah. I mean, I think the things I've watched, you probably all, you you probably be interested to watch as well, like Ted Lasso and Mystic Quest and the David Attenborough documentary might be quite interesting, and the Murder Next Door. Uh, oh, the American Murder Next Door. Oh, yeah. you know what? Come quickly. So, um, that Murder Next Door. Um, Ketchy really wants Ketchy literally requested to me that she wants to become on the, on the podcast to talk about it because she loves all that shit so yeah at some point I'll get her on so that you guys can chat away about all that stuff okay well don't in the next couple say that again don't fancy watching it yourself I mean it's not really my bag I might watch it how many episodes is it one it's, it's one it's, it's an hour and a half sort of documentary oh in that case I'll watch it then okay and, it, right, then. and I don't I from as from my memory, there's no graphic scenes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. give it a go. Maybe we can tie that in with the Netflix series Criminal, which is a sort of, you know, yeah. it's not true crime, but it's sort of like evoking that. Mm. Oh, that'll be an interesting one to talk about, like, next episode or something then. Yeah. So Try and get Ketchy to watch some of uh, Criminal, and then if she's into murder mysteries, sort of, yeah, uh, not murder it. mystery, um, true crime shit. Mm. She fucked up. Okay. If you've got anything else to watch, then we can watch it as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get special guest Ketchy on then in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll talk all things crime, both true and fictional. Um, so, yes. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to uh, request some topics for us to talk about, uh, if you've got any questions that you want us to answer, then please tweet us at podcast 17 uh, we're also on Instagram uh, as Your Average Critics. We're going to try and make a concerted effort to be a bit more 
active and engaging on those platforms. So please do tell a friend to tell a friend and uh, yeah, get involved. Um, then we, you can also listen to us on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and hopefully at some point in the future, YouTube. I think some of our episodes are already on there, but um, we'll try and yeah, try and get some yeah. jazzy graphics or something at some point. We're on yeah. Spotify as well. Oh, Spotify. I did not know that. All your podcast <laughs> platforms. Yes, you wherever you get your... Spotify. I didn't, know. I'm so out of the loop uh, of my own, <laughs> our own podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thanks for tuning in and uh, speak to you next time. Keep it sexy. Yes, you've got to say that. <laughs>